episode 40. I'm Jules. And I'm Cece. How's it going? It's it's a struggle, boss. You know that. We just... I know. We've been on the Why phone for... Why did you even ask me? We've been on the phone for 17 minutes while Jules attempts to get set up to record because she disassembled her thing last week. I did. I, I disassembled my whole setup in the office and I got a new computer and true to form, I our family has an Egyptian curse. Do you want to explain the Egyptian curse? Our dad was in the Navy. He went into one of the Egyptian pyramids and he had carved his name or initials or some kind of shit in there. And ever since then, we're all cursed. Not fully cursed. Don't get me wrong. It's not like a full blown like our life is terrible because I know some people that have really terrible have had really tough and terrible lives. That's not what we're experiencing. And I just want to bring that out. And I'm actually going to that's a what about a good segue into what we're talking about today. But what I do know is that things are just kind of like like slightly mildly, unfortunate. Yeah, like like mildly unfortunate is the way that I've always described it, where nothing just happens easily. You can't just like quick get things set up. You can't just like have good luck. You can't just find a husband or something <laughs> in my case, right? It's always just like mildly yeah, right. unfortunate. Or get a new computer that actually works. That's so true that's because happened. I had to get I got two computers. Like I got one computer and it just didn't work right. And I ended up giving it to our parents because they don't need it for much besides the internet. What? And then I ended up buying a different one. So, yeah, you well, know, I, I, I really want a Mac and I decided, cause I have a Mac for work and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to get a refurbished because also don't have money to spend like $3,000 on a podcast no, computer. Because so, we made $0 on this podcast. <laughs> right? Exactly. We're negative. $2,000 probably or something. Oh, no. Okay. Anyway, so at this point, I, I buy the thing and I get it. And it's like, I'm not even going to say where I purchased it from because I, I I don't know if that would be like bad juju. Um, but it's supposed to be like certified, you know, refurbished. And I can send it back. That's not the point. It's just like you get it. It's brand new. And like the trackpad does not work. And there's like keys that are sticking. And I can only use it if I plug in like plug in a mouse. It's ridiculous. Do you so, want to know what happened to that computer and why it got refurbished? Because somebody spilled soda or jizz oh, on the keyboard. That's different. Yeah. Oops, I jumped to conclusions there. Anyway. I liked your conclusion better than mine. Mine was much more wholesome. <laughs> it was more wholesome. Mine was like, that's how I'm feeling. I was pretty mad at it. Uh Cece just got to listen to a rant. Yeah. Anyway. Well, okay, listen. We've got a lot to <gasps> talk not. about today. I've got I just telling Jules, I I had 29 pages worth of 11 point font notes, and now oh, that I made it bigger, it's it's significant. I mean, like it's the same amount of notes, right? But it's a lot. This is definitely, I'm pretty sure, going to take up more than one episode, and so I do want to hop into it in a great way. You know, like we just talked about things being mildly unfortunate for us in this life, and I might have an answer as to why that might be happening. I think it's okay to have a mildly unfortunate life. I think it builds character. Although it does piss me off when it's happening. You've got the right so. idea. You've got the right idea. Okay. But okay, so I know that I've already kind of talked a little bit about what we were going to talk about today in our last episode. But if you're coming to this without that knowledge, uh, what I could tell you, what I what I want to, what I want to talk about first is you know normal things that we hear about when we die. Like where do we go when we die? What do you know about what people tend to experience right before they die? Well, you either go to the shiny place. No, uh, seriously though, I was going to talk about hell in the ragged clothing. <laughs> That's no, like, do you know, you know anything about like what, like, like, 
like, like people what people that work experience. in like hospice care you know they oh, see yeah, that yeah. people experience certain things before they die like what do you yeah. know about it well I've had the unfortunate and also blessed experience of being nearby for a couple of relatives that were in hospice so it is much like waiting for a baby to be born but in reverse so there you know you know you don't know quite when it's going to happen but there are some signs and signals right um when it's about to become time even somebody that a lot of times is very very quiet and reserved because they're on lots of medication and they're actively dying a lot of times they'll have like a moment of clarity a day or so I think before they pass yeah where they come they will it's almost like they come back to life and they visit with people you know in this and this side but before that happens a lot of times they might be seeing dead relatives as their body is starting to shut down they'll be talking to some folks on the other side as I like to call it it's reaffirming to me that it's reaffirming to me and it's reassuring. That's why I say I, I feel a little bit blessed to have been a part of that because, you know, we're not meant to be here forever. And it's it's kind of a beautiful process in a way, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I you're right on the head that we're not meant here to be here forever. What I'm going to talk about today puts us into perspective of being on Earth essentially to learn lessons and mm-hmm. other things that I've, you know, looked into as well as I've gotten into this are just people's near-death experiences too. So people who have died momentarily and have been, who have like been regressed through hypnosis and death in their last life, or maybe somebody that died and then they were resuscitated afterwards. So yeah. um, they do describe trying to talk to other people that are physically in the room and touch physical objects without being able to. They've described um, floating around their bodies. They feel a sensation pulling them away from the place that they died toward a bright light, um, an overwhelming feeling of relaxation and curiosity, um, of not being fearful of death as well. Uh, those are all things that that I've heard about before. And so what we're going to talk about. But that doesn't is, happen for everybody. Who like I, what what have you heard about? I like I, I know somebody that that died a number of times, like while in a coma. So it, it's not always that bright, happy, shiny light. It might not be. And I'm curious as we get into this to find out if maybe what you've heard doesn't line up with this at all. I, I, I just think it's different for different people. And that might be you're probably going to talk about that. Um, the different. Yeah you know, different transitions that may or, you know, may not happen. This is, of course, all speculation. Yes, I, kind of and kind of not. So I'm, I'm curious. But okay, so what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to give a precursor to this, even though we usually wouldn't give a precursor. So what I'm going to talk about today is based on research done by one guy. He's documented his research and others have continued it. But obviously, we all have our own thoughts around sp- spirituality and religion and all that good stuff. Sure. I'll admit that I feel connected to this in some kind of way. Like, when I was learning about this, nothing was super surprising to me, and it almost sounded familiar. But that's just how I feel. So my main source of information is going to be coming from the book Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. I've watched some interviews that he gave as well. Um, I've read some of his other books as well in the past, but I didn't take notes on those at that time because I wasn't doing a podcast. And so sure. all of this information why, why is becoming... Why didn't you just take notes on things? I know. Like, time. who would have thought? That's why I reread this book. This is my second time or third time, maybe. So... Okay. This is all coming from one source. It's not coming from a multitude of sources, really, uh, besides maybe listening to a couple podcasts of other people that that do these 
kinds of hypnotic regressions that we're going to talk about. Mm. What we're going to talk about is kind of abstract in nature, which I can explain as we get further into this. Um, we're going to be talking about people who are in a hypnotized state trying to explain things that they're seeing. They have expressed that what they're seeing isn't always easily describable with words or concepts that we okay. are used to in our human brains. And there are going to be some controversial topics that I'm going to add my own speculation on as well. I'm guessing Jules will also. Um, I want to just bring up that we're not intending to be political or offensive any, in any way. I'll just wonder about things that might link together in the world and what might motivate our minds. So, yes, like we are going to get into things like like suicide, at what point a soul might enter a body between conception and birth, abuse, um, the death of children. So these are all kinds of things that I've thought about and that have been mentioned in his work. And I just want to make sure that everybody understands that I don't at any point intend to say that somebody deserves what they're getting in this life. That's not what I'm I'm getting at. It's just kind of like a, a thought about why we might experience certain bad things in our lives, like kind of trying to answer that age old question of like, if there's a higher power, how does it allow such terrible things to happen on earth? Does okay. that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So it, it I does. wanted to give that because I, we're going to be tough. Like there's just some thoughts that I have on like more controversial things and things he mentioned that I know that I just don't want us like, to people to misconstrue what we're saying so like everything is controversial now like i could talk to you about ants on the ground walking around i just said that because i just was out gardening and i bet you yeah, could find something controversial stepped on about. one it would be, they would be like why are you stepping on an ant so don't do ant taxidermy yeah so if you are super sensitive to these kinds of topics maybe uh, find a different podcast about the same topic or something. So here's the deal. We're going <laughs> to talk about, well, <laughs> this is me politely telling you. you to go to another pod. I like you probably, you. honestly, if you're offended by things like this, our podcast probably isn't for you in the first place. We're but, probably okay. not your cup of tea and you've probably figured that out by now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's so go. our researcher here is Dr. Michael Newton. So this guy is born in 1931. Hey. He was originally an atheist and was oh, a mainstream okay. psychiatrist who utilized hypnotherapy as a regular means of treatment. He experienced, yeah, he wasn't an, an experienced hypnotherapist despite being like it was kind of a controversial thing in the 1960s when he got started with it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have any involvement in past life regression and was only interested in traditional therapy. He felt that past life regression wasn't really clinical in nature. Like he and, thought it was bullshit. Well, he just didn't – he was there to help people and get them through. He's a very – he seems like he's a very, like, research-minded individual. And I think okay. that's where this came from. So he had worked essentially with childhood trauma issues, which mm -hmm. he felt were, like, emotional or physical in nature. And he wanted to use hypnotherapy within that realm. So, like, trying to help somebody that has pain going on or some overwhelming feelings that – medical conditions haven't been able to explain he's always like okay did you go to a doctor first and try to get this figured out if not let's see if you broke your leg in childhood and that's why your leg hurts right now so lots of medicine is just guessing it is lots of guesses. And so, yeah and it was like, kind of almost like he was a person that somebody would go to as a last resort when they couldn't find a physical reason so he's like a super guesser okay he's a super guesser right so in the late 1960s, though, all of this changed for him accidentally. He has this new patient. He's a younger guy, and he is experiencing... What do we mean by younger guy? Like, in his 20s, and his 30s? I think probably in his 20s. It didn't say completely. So somebody younger than him, I'm guessing. I don't think this guy was very old in the 1960s. So, well, so he comes he in... in his 30s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he would have been in his 30s. So the guy must have been in his 20s, yeah. So he's experiencing chronic pain in his right side of, like, his torso. 
and mm-hmm. they decide that they're going to use hypnotherapy. He he expressed that, yes, I have been to doctors. They all decided that this is just like psychosomatic in nature. And so he and this patient decided that it might be a childhood injury that was just not going away. There was something just stuck in his brain. So they decided they're going to hypnotize him, which is something he did regularly. Like a physical ailment from childhood or like a traumatic yeah, like, experience. Yeah, like maybe he got. The body remembers. Well, one or the other. They don't okay. know. And so that's what they're trying to figure out. He's going to hypnotize him. And this guy goes into hypnosis really quickly. So huh. he's almost like falling into a deeper state than Dr. Newton intended for him to be in. He says for this particular one, like he usually would work in a shallow alpha state. I don't know a lot about hypnotism, so I couldn't <laughs> tell you for sure. But he okay. says that this guy went into this deeper alpha state than he originally intended him to be in. And so they go back to this guy's childhood for a while. But he's just really not able to find the cause of the the pain that this guy is is doing and so dr newton at this point is a little bit frustrated because he's really he's just like okay this guy's in here i get you know i probably have other people waiting to see me afterward and so in frustration dr newton asks him to go to the source of his pain and suddenly this guy starts like fucking screaming his head off and he tells dr newton that he's being bayoneted oh shit yeah so so the doctor is like yeah the doctor's like where are you because he's feeling a little bit shocked and he realizes so this guy starts explaining things and he realizes, Dr. Newton does, that he's describing the World War I Battle of Somme or Battle of the Somme, which took place in November of 1916 near the Somme River in France. So How, so he's Dr. Like, Newton he just happens to be like a war. He guy does. Knows yeah, he does. Okay. He does. And so he's Convenient. It's just he's really into history. And so that's why he's kind of like in disbelief. He says if he hadn't had this knowledge, they wouldn't have been where they were. It was like it just He's like, I was just like, what the fuck is happening here? He starts asking this guy. So instead of helping this guy, he starts asking him to describe his uniform, the uniforms of the other people around him. He asks this guy to tell him his name, his rank, his serial number. He makes him look on the patch on his uniform and tell him like which like which uh, group he's in and all those kinds of things, because he's just in complete disbelief over what's happening because he's like, this guy must be. Like, maybe this guy must be into war or something. He's just fucking with me. So like this guy. <laughs> he, reads he finds books. out from this guy what, what, what this name is. He doesn't he doesn't give the, the name in his book, but he does find out this guy's name. He finds out that he's a British sergeant in the Fourth Corps. And he did end up checking this out later. But he goes, he knows that he took it too far. And suddenly he realizes, like, okay, I'm being an asshole right now. I should be helping this guy. He's my patient. And instead, I'm basically leaving him in this terrible moment trying to, this, like, just trying to verify what's being told to me because it seems so crazy so he finally like he he takes him through his usual thing that he does to help them really you know just like feel better and make this injury Mm -hmm. go away this guy wakes up he feels refreshed the pain's gone just like it would have happened if he would have found the pain in his childhood uh but dr newton is really kind of feeling shitty about it it just takes me that's what they do that's yeah that's that's what a hypnotherapist would do if you went in yeah but like how does that take it away you just you find it and then you're like, oh, I found it. It's gone. Now. I think they like go through Vanished. their little hypnotism things to tell them to go away. I don't know how it works. Does, That's not the point it, of this. Is it like saging the house? Like they I think it is kind of like saging the house. Yeah. They're just like, like telling that pain to go away. Like like making sure that your conscious mind knows like this is done. This is gone. It's over. Okay. You know? Okay. That's I don't really fucking weird. know. I've never been hypnotized before. But Well, I kinda want to now. Well, you're going to have a lot more questions than this as we go. So just buckle up, buttercup. All right. So, yeah. So this guy, everything did. um, 
but he he did get all of that stuff and so afterward he calls because this is like you know the 1960s so he calls mm-hmm. the war office at the imperial imperial museum in london he confirms that this name of this guy did exist he confirms the rank and everything that he was able to verify with them was correct did he so did he like invite the patient to come back and he was like excuse me i need to talk to you about something i don't think so because he didn't like tell said, him? this guy I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not 100% sure. He said that the the patient's wife did call him later and just thanked him because the pain was gone and he stopped screaming in the night and stuff. So, because oh, I guess would he would like, it was disruptive to her too. So she was just like, thanks for helping my husband out, dude. And so like, this is what it is. So he goes on with his life. He's like, that was weird, but he still doesn't really jump into, I think he does like do a little bit of past life regression after this, it sounds like, but mm-hmm. It didn't really change a lot of what he was doing. We move forward a few years and he has a woman that comes to him and she's just got these really intense feelings of isolation. Um, She's disturbed. She's depressed. She felt as though none of her friends were around her and she felt lonely and just really disconnected from society. It was just causing a big issue in her life. So she's coming to him to see if he can help her. Like what what it makes that person different? Like what what makes you a good like sometimes sometimes I get sad. <laughs> like what makes you a good candidate for this regression? Well, she's just the kind of person that came to him and this is like there's he's just thinking she's like any other person that comes to a hypnotherapist. Like, like you can go to a hypnotherapist about happen in your life. Yeah. Like you can yeah, you can go to them for any of those shitty things though. Anybody can walk into the office of a hypnotherapist and get help. Okay. So he's not like seeking this woman out or anything. She sought okay. him out. So he hypnotizes her as one does when you're a hypnotist and mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out if they can put their finger on exactly who she's looking for because she says she's kind of unsure who she feels like she's missing from her life. And she, again, like this other guy falls into a deep state really quickly, very similar to this other man that we talked about earlier, but he, but she ends up in this like even deeper, what he calls a theta state. Again, I don't know hypnotherapy. So I guess that's a thing after this deeper alpha state. So, he goes into her childhood and he's talking to her about friends and she didn't really feel like these people, these friends she's talking about from her childhood really relate to the depressing feelings that she's having. So like they weren't this, the cause of it. Yeah. So again, Dr. Newton's kind of frustrated, like, like in the other one, right? Maybe he's a little bit of a grump. I'm not sure, but he's, <laughs> he's frustrated. And he says that he's he goes, he, he's like, he's like, he's like, fine. He's like, j- just like he had done with the other guy where he was like, Go back to the source of where your pain was, you know, just like he's done exploring. So he's like, go back to the place in time where you last saw this friend group that you're so, he, so like, fucking has lonely tantrums. about. Like, I don't know if it fully is, but it seems kind of like it is because I like watch interviews of him talking about it. It does kind of seem like he's like he's like grumpy about it and he's just trying to get on with shit, you know. So like, oh, he tells her to just God. Yeah, and I, I might be wrong about how he is, but that's how I took it. So why wouldn't he always just do that then? I know, right? Like, just yeah. get to it. I don't know. He's got a method, but whatever it is, he's like, just fucking go to the last time you saw these friends. And so he knows now, I think he said like the last time you saw your friend group, he knows now that the word group is a word that kind of helps trigger this thought in your mind. And so this woman begins crying and laughing. She's pointing at his office wall and she's like, oh my God, there they are. And he's like, where, where are you? Because you're seeing things, you know, like in your head, right? You're seeing things in your head because you're hypnotized, right? So she tells him that she's in the spirit world and she explains that these are her her soulmates or spiritual friends. And he is like, 
what the fuck? Why me? <laughs> His actual words are, why me? He, like, again, he's not an atheist. He's like, why? This is not something I should be helping somebody with. I don't believe in this weird shit. Like, you're in the spirit what do you mean, world. Why me? That's like a shitty thing to say. Well, he's like, one. he's like, I shouldn't be helping like, this person. She thinks oh, she's in the like, spirit world. So I'm like, why he, not you, bitch? Yeah. So he starts asking a lot of questions of her because he's just kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? And he starts asking questions about this soul group that she's explaining. And she says that she's between her lives right now. Because he at this point, you know, he didn't he did believe in the past life thing because of that soldier guy. And now she's like, I'm in between the lives. And so this is really where he starts to realize there's a lot more to the world than what he's aware of. And he really has been given a key to try to figure out who we are, why we're here, who sent us, and where we're going. So clearly this is what brings this him is down. Part a path. of his path. Definitely a part of his path. So he changes the course of his career. He starts working completely on his own, trying to work specifically to bring people in hypnotherapy to the space between their lives. So not just like past life regression, but focusing primarily on what happens between when you die and when you're living again. So like, he's not telling friends or colleagues what he's doing because he doesn't want to be biased by their other opinions. And he ends up working on thousands of cases between the seventies and eighties. And in total okay. throughout his lifetime, he worked on over 7,000 cases on his own. What if I don't so, want to come back again? I have to come back again. Yeah. You're, like, you're not done. I promise you that the world is getting really <laughs> stupid. Like I don't, I think that it might be time to be done. We're not. Like, Listen. The so if so there's stupid. one thing I know as we get into this, like if I know one person in my life is part of my soul group, it's you. And we're generally sister. at the same place. And I know that we're not done. We are not living the kind of life that people who are about done are living. So What does that mean? We're not. I'll tell you more about it later and why I think we're not even close we to done. Do we have to be more deprived? Fuck. It, yeah, it's gonna get worse, man. Uh, it's definitely gonna get worse. So, but why? Yeah, I, I've had some things happen. I think I'm good. I know. Well, I don't I'm think done. we're we're not brand new souls. I'll tell you that. But we're not done. So okay, because I think we're not being good enough people after the bad things we're going through. <laughs> oh so, no, really? Yeah, I don't think we're that helpful. What to are society. you saying? Well, oh, I'm just man. saying that I like our lack of being helpful to society is what tells me we're not done. Okay. So I pick up trash like once a quarter. That's not, that's not okay. good enough. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. Um, all right. So he is, I just want to explain to he's working with clients that can go deep into hypnosis. He goes deep with these clients for hours on end to learn about past lives but mostly about what's described at the point of death up until they reincarnate again so he learned over the years um, that no matter what religion they came from or where they came from the descriptions were differing to an extent but there are a lot of trends and things that were overwhelmingly similar and it did, like i said like these people don't know what they're coming into because he's not telling people what he's into you know, he's just like, people are coming to him for help. And he's like, I'm going to give them the help that they need. But I'm also doing this research and trying to get as much information as I can from these people okay. without. Yeah. So he's like not he's not like advertising that this is what he's doing. Eventually, in the 90s, he decides that he's going to release this work into books that he wrote. So that's what so we're going to talk about honest. today. Yep. He's going to be honest. He's going to start talking about what it is that he went through and that eventually he does 
start this thing called i think it's called like the newton institute they call the michael newton institute now so where he did teach other hypnotherapists to do this and so it's not just him there have literally been i think over seventy-five thousand people at this point who have been hypnotized in this life between lives method and though not everybody's viewpoint is exactly the same it's overwhelmingly similar the things that are coming out of these people's mouths when they're hypnotized whether they know the full extent of it whether they've read his book before or not it's overwhelmingly similar experiences which is what made me so interested in this is just Hmm. the fact that like you've got so many people and so many religions that are coming this way it's just it's crazy so that's the um, interesting part is when people are completely different religions yeah in my opinion because so many religions have overlapping themes and yeah they really do Anyway, they do, but this doesn't fully track any of them or some of them a little bit, but not fully. So this guy did die. He died in 2016. So he probably knows the real truth now. Uh, So I hope that he experienced all those things. And so what we're going to talk about today is like the, the book covers excerpts from a lot of his cases without giving their names. The concepts are really fucking crazy to think about. I'm going to talk about these from now on like it's basically fact. Okay, so it doesn't mean that it's fully fact. Obviously, People are like, I think that they they know more now than they even did when he was fully researching on his own. They have found more variances than how things happen. But I'm going to talk about it like it's fact right now, despite whether or not it is. All right. So that's where Mm -hmm. we're going. So we're going to first talk about what it's like to die. I want to know what it's like to die. All right. That sounded creepy. Like I was, I'm not suicidal for the record. (laughs) Like, like, I feel like you were saying it to a serial killer more so. Like, I want to know what it's like to die. Take, pick me. Raise my hand. I told you, I'm ready. I'm ready. Like, every night you're like, I'm ready to get murdered. No, I'm ready because I don't want to be surprised because I don't want to be a ghost. We've already talked about this. So, okay, I'll tell you how to not be a ghost. Like, I am actually going to give you a lesson in not being a ghost during this. This is the lesson. It's to always be just like, just be expecting murder all the time. Well, like when when you get murdered, accept it. Accept it. I have no unfinished business. Yeah, I I don't think we're in the category that turns into ghosts. Oh, this is also when we get to the ghost part. I'll tell you what I can tell you why we're not seeing ghosts from the fucking seventeen hundreds and fifteen hundreds. I'll tell you right now. Oh, really? So, oh, well, I I I think I know why, but don't don't tell. Okay. Well, okay. Why don't you guess right now? Guess right now. No, I don't. Just tell me the stuff. Like, okay, all right. Excited. Let's talk about death. Let's talk about death. It's actually going to be in this section. So. Seriously, I had this all broke. Excited. Okay. Okay. So, friends out there in the world, I just want you to know that I have been working on this episode for months. I'm pretty sure I went way too far into detail. You could totally read this book and get even more detail if you want to, but this is kind of like Cliff Notes extended. So, what it's like like to die. I have to read the book. Yeah. So, souls often leave their body in the moments before actual death to avoid heightened pain, but they do stay close to the dying body. Their concept of self is so when you die, like when if you're describing like what happens, so the concept of yourself is being ejected up and out of the top of your body. Describing yourself is a pinpoint of light that seems to grow as you move around, turning into a wispy string of light with no limits, no gravity, and a sense of weightlessness. So is this like in the Harry Potter movie when like the Patronus is coming? Or wait, the Death Eat? No, the I don't think so. The I didn't big, really get Harry Potter vibes. Guys come and they're like sucking his life out, and he turns into like a wispy string, and then 
the Patronus comes and like the whiskey string flies back into his body. I guess it could be like that. It is like that. I don't remember that part, but I don't have any visual memory. But what I do know is that you can control your movements. And you you kind of feel like you're being pushed away, but there's also like, like you feel like a pulling in one area, but you do have free will to stay if you decide to. And one thing I do want to point out. My light, your I can light control beam. my light beam. You can control your light beam, but you also feel like a gravity or pulling of some sort. That's but if like you decide a, to resist it, you absolutely body, right? can. Well, it's something's pulling you away. It's not your earthly so body. If I'm so like if I'm getting stabbed, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna run away so I don't feel the stabby stab. But yeah, so if, if, I, if like, you're pretty close to death, to... you might run away for a bit and I... come back to your body too if you make it. Oh. So like if I Okay, this is interesting because um, I I was watching something about serial killers, basically. Oh, it was like, I survived a serial killer. It's a mm-hmm. show. I don't know where it's on, so don't ask me. There was this absolutely horrendous case. And, like, I freaking hate talking about little kids getting hurt. I absolutely mm-hmm. fucking hate it. But this woman, she was 12 years old when it happened. Um, this serial killer got her. And... He he did all sorts of horrible, horrible things that should never Ugh. happen to a child that just, like, made me want to throw yeah. up. But the thing about it is that she does not remember a single bit of it. It's like Good. she it's like she left her, her body left. or, like, yeah, like, it, like, it protected her. And she lived through it. And, like, she woke up in the hospital and her family just never fucking talked about it, which is not healthy either. No. And she found out later on that all these things happened to her. But, like... I just was like that in that moment I was thinking about it and I was like, I hope that that's what happens to these murder victims that like at a certain point that they can choose to leave their body and not feel that absolute horrendous pain. That is true. That even the human body's not still feeling it because the soul is kind of working with the human body. We'll talk about that, but, um, but yeah, that, that is something like your soul can leave your body during your life and it does we'll, we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later uh, but I think that, okay. that that would kind of be explained a little bit with this so is that like what happens a lot of times when like when kids can't remember really bad uh like tragic events that happen to them well like I think that there's truth to psychiatry you know like saying things about repressed memories as well or I mean I, I don't remember most of my life to be honest so I, I guess I don't know if it's always fully that. I think it just depends on how your brain works. I think there's a lot of yeah. my memory that's repressed by the fact that I can't see images in my mind. I think that so. that also has to do with like your, like you have a, a an autoimmune disorder that like fucked. Oh, I are, definitely have memories like you had, that are gone, like, but baby mini strokes like that that explains that part of it. Like I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's sometimes where you explain memories to me where I'm like, oh yeah, you just reminded me. But there's other times where you explain times in my life to me where I have literally no recollection. And but that was like, like before they could you were be on... even recent events before I was on blood thinners. Yeah. Right. Before so, you were on blood thinners. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that anyway. just meant I had like clots of blood coming through my ba- brain. But okay. Ugh. I was having tiny strokes all the time. But okay. Let's get Ugh. back to this. So. Okay. Most souls don't give a shit what happens to their body. So some will just hover really? over their body and see what happens around their death. Generally, they just want to think that, like, they, they want to make sure that their loved ones are okay. Uh-huh. They understand that they'll see those loved ones again in another life, but they understand that the people on Earth don't always understand that, too. So they kind of stick around. They might try to stay and console loved ones grieving, try to help them feel their energy and know that they're all right and everything will be okay in some way but or another. 
what about like what about like if you're in a really bad traumatic instance and your children like for instance say you're a parent and your children are in the house do you have like a drive to protect them um not always so we are going to talk later about like these accidents that happen so when you're you're taken away from your children at an early age like that is it's kind of part of what they call like a soul contract or something that we've already predetermined is going to happen before so I do believe when in you that. die I totally believe in that you you under, you suddenly have this consciousness that is coming back to you in most cases not always but mm-hmm. you have this consciousness coming back to you that's saying like this was supposed to happen this is part of the deal this is part of my kids journey or this is part of my spouse's journey or whatever it is and so you kind of want to comfort them but you're not going to go too crazy okay I feel like let, let's say that you are somebody though that has a loved one that died you might be more receptive receptive to feeling some kind of connection with them while in a resting state so if you do lose somebody and you want to try to see if their energy is reaching out to you you can just like relax clear your mind maybe try to meditate um, for shorter periods of time as if you are just trying to open yourself up to this and and don't don't like push it to the back of your mind. Don't try to be too logical about it, but just kind of like let yourself relax and sit there and see if you feel anything coming through, if you're ever going through something like this. But getting back to, to what you as a soul or spirit might experience. So at the time of your death, you might have your spirit guide appear to you. I know that spirit guides are something that are really? talked about by a lot of psychics and, and things like that. So it's probably like how not close a do you thing. have to get? How close do you have to get? Like, like when people the spirit guide may or may not be there it just depends so usually it's if you have a younger soul your spirit guide is really going to come so the spirit guide is a highly developed spirit or soul that serves as a teacher to you so they might show up just in a young life that's taken too soon um or you know like maybe it's a disorienting accident that happens so maybe it's like you just got in a car accident that you weren't expecting and it might be disorienting that's where you might see your spirit guide but they might not come too so, so it just really d- depends on the situation. Does this guy talk about um, like certain exit points, like potential exit points in a life? So I, I've, I've read a lot on these topics too. And like the theory about creating your map, right, for your life as mm-hmm. to when it's knowing like, hey, I'm going to go through these these tough times and there's a purpose for it. There's a learning purpose. And in some of the stuff that I've read – in your map, there could be potential off-ramps, if you know what I mean. I think that you could absolutely explain it that way. We'll get like that. I'm not even going to get into that until we're like probably on the second episode or maybe the third with the, okay. the rate that we're going at this point. So like, um, I feel like I, I say... had, I feel like I had an off-ramp in, in my lifetime. Okay. Yeah. I would say that you definitely have had an off-ramp moment in your life and decisions that you made affected that are decisions that somebody else made maybe more so affected that and I don't I don't know if I've fully had off-ramp moments quite yet I've had I mean I've had like situations but it's never fully been under my control whether or not or somebody else's control Um, I don't know it's interesting like what you think about when when you think your time is up yeah because those thoughts did go through my head at that off-ramp moment and it it's interesting so I it's I like to hear what you're talking about like what other people experienced like in the lead up to yeah I haven't like there wasn't a lot of that here unfortunately so I don't know a lot about that but it might be something to really look further into like there's going to be so many questions that come up throughout this especially for you I know 
say yeah. that wasn't fully, but I think that would be something to definitely look at through this lens or if you mm -hmm. ever decided to do this. So what I do want to talk about is when we have somebody that dies, so your soul exited, but you're not, you're angry or upset or confused about what's happening. In most of these cases, the spirit guide is going to show up. They're going to be there for these kinds of people. And they might get frustrated with that spirit guide for allowing them to be taken too soon. Usually the spirit guide okay. is able to calm them and move them on by explaining that this is just the way that this particular life was, was designed. But some might... It seems like such a calm... Like, it's going to be okay. Well, it is. It's I mean, like... It's, it's like, it's no, it's not. <laughs> right? Like, like those... Really like, their understanding, right but this other soul isn't. So... Some might not accept that their physical body is dead, and they are going to fight returning to the spirit world out of personal anguish. This is at the soul's own choosing, because again, we've got free will fully. But the thing is, this is where he thinks that the ghosts are coming from. So he he understands that there's people hmm. that just stick around. They won't go back to the spirit world. And what they do is they essentially okay. disrupt the lives of other people that are just trying to live their lives. So they generally <laughs> are... Is tied to a place they're kind of stuck in okay. this no man's land between the lower astral planes of earth and the spirit world um he doesn't he hasn't a, like a like a come across anything in his where there's any kind of like demonic energy coming from any of these things they're just annoying or maybe scaring people um they're generally gonna be so he doesn't believe in the demons he doesn't um he says that like this is a guy that's coming from like having no like he has no religious affiliations before this too so he's just he's saying like i haven't come across anybody talking about fucking demons or anything so okay he said that a lot of times the people that get stuck this way are more like damaged spirits we're going to talk about damaged spirits later on uh, i think that'll be something you'll be particularly interested in i'm very interested in that topic and i've read a lot of books about it yeah so um, yeah because i i am very interested in the concept of of evil and like just because someone is quote unquote evil in this in this life like I sometimes think that there's that there's people that are sent to earth maybe as a pawn to I've... to help others learn lessons based on this right like so... there are and aren't there like there are times where they're sent here for it but there's also times where things didn't go the way that they were planned or they could have gone better and they've just completely got overwhelmed by that or they didn't meld well with the body that they have, those kinds of things. Um, huh. So that that's the kind of person that generally would have this happen. And they might be usually a younger soul, kind of like he said, that's kind of like a soul temper tantrum. That's like oh. mad about dying because we do just have this like we have this free will afterward. And so um, it could just be part of the Wait, plan, like though, too. when you're bad, when you come back, you're having like a temper tantrum. Well, like when you're stuck after, you know, like after you're dead, you know, like, you're like I'm not done yet. I'm going to fucking stick around here and be a oh, dick to everybody okay. that's around. What I think, because okay. like time isn't like a big deal in the spirit realm. Years okay. on Earth are going to be like moments in that. But I think about like a century, right, is not that long for a spirit to maybe be getting over this kind of thing and so I think that's why we don't see because I've, I've heard people say I think it was like morbid or it might have been on and that's why we drink because I listen to both of those podcasts regularly so I like one of them was like how can we never see ghosts that are like super old like super super old ghosts like we don't have like the ghosts of um, like cavemen wandering around and things like that right? I think about like there's gotta be like if I think about like the place where I live right now right like outside of me like we definitely like where I live had 
huge, like I would imagine that right where I live, there was a huge Native American population before. Yes, there was. You know, so how come there's not the dead Oneida. Native Americans hanging around everywhere? Why? Well, A, mm-hmm. because Native Americans understand this stuff, I think, a little bit better than some of us do. But also, um, and like where they were going when they were done. But also, like all these people, it's been so long that they've accepted that it's over at this point and they've moved on to the spirit realm. They're not sticking around anymore. So I think as time goes, like things like the Lizzie Borden house, as an example, eventually uh-huh. those spirits are going to give up and they're going to say, okay, I'm dead. It's done. I need to really like get on over to the spirit world. So like and stop Andrew worrying Borden about... is having a temper tantrum? Yeah, because maybe, maybe because he wants to make sure that justice is served on whoever killed him you know like maybe that's the reason he's still around because he's still mad that nobody figured it out yet or whatever it is so i think that you know and so he's like fucking annoying people and keeping them talking about it or something Uh but really at the end of it they're going to accept that like sometimes shit's just not going to get resolved it just is what it is you got to move on but that that all might be part of his journey too so Hmm. yeah it's very interesting i wonder if it matters I wonder if it matters to them, like, once they cross over. You know what I mean? Like, something that could be such a big deal to you in this life. The older I get, the more I... The older I get, the more I feel like a lot of the menial shit, you know, that you get so mad about or, like, maybe a grudge that you're holding on somebody or anger or hatred, like, in the grand scheme of not just life, but the grand scheme of all time, doesn't fucking matter at a certain point. It really doesn't matter, and that's absolutely true. When they get to the spirit world, they really will realize that. Um, before we get off of this, I just do want to talk about that some souls might stick around just for a few days, which feels like only a few moments. Um, they might watch their mm-hmm. funeral or something before passing on, especially if they're a younger soul. But most of them are just going to make sure their family is as okay as they can be at the moment, um, try to offer some comfort that maybe they'll recognize right now or maybe they'll recognize it later. And their head's a little bit more clear, and they're going to move on. And mm-hmm. so... What they're going to move on to, something that we've heard about tons of times over people talking about their near-death experiences, is the tunnel. So The tunnel. Some people are going to see it open right next to them or right over their bodies. Some say that it's hovering high above the earth, but they describe it primarily as a hollow, dim vent with a small circle of light at the other end. They feel a gentle pulling through the tunnel that gets brighter as they go through it. At the end, there's a cloudy brightness or a light fog that you enter into, and this is where the place of the spirit realm begins. They feel the feeling of thought all around them, and they feel love, companionship, anticipation as if others are waiting for them, and they feel very secure, cared for, and nurtured, and they start to get this really strong understanding of who they are and why they are where they are. Um, some people report this in amazement. Others are more matter-of-fact about it, like they've done it tons of times before. Um, so it really kind of depends on how old that soul is and how many times they've been through the process. Um, okay. You may be, like once you get through this tunnel, you may be met by a soulmate, whether that's romantic or otherwise, um, a spirit guide or another friend that you've known through many lives. So maybe somebody that was like your grandma and this last life is going to appear to you there, even though they might not necessarily be one of your soulmates. Whoever it is that meets you, they're going to help guide you to where you need to be. And then after the tunnel, you're going to, well, actually, I'm going to stop here. So I know that you know are a person. Are soulmates really a thing? They are, yes, but it's a little bit more um, complicated than what we might think. Okay. I know that you said that you, I, I think I know who you're talking about, somebody that died. 
multiple times throughout like what did that person describe um scary dreams oh like nightmares it was like it was almost like purgatory dreams oh not anything like not like hell you know but it was like mundane like I don't know how else to describe it like sometimes I have these horrible dreams that I'm like stuck in high school and I can't get out you know or like it's those kind of dreams, but that's that's what that person said. I don't think that his that soul left like, his body in those situations. I think that's part of I'm thinking that, that our, it didn't either. I think that that, like, if, if I was looking at it through this lens, I'm not saying we know everything, right? But I would say that if I was looking at it through this lens, I would say that his soul did not leave his body during those deaths. I think that those deaths were part of his path in this life. Oh, I, I absolutely would be think my, that those deaths yeah. were part of his path. Yeah. Um, that's what I would say. I have heard of other people like having like hell situations happen too. So I I don't like it wasn't oh, in this book. It wasn't in this book or anything. But like I have heard of that before from people that were like terrible. And I'm like I think that's all part of your life path because they changed dramatically afterward and how they treated people. So um, I think that's just part of. Oh, life they did. Path. There was one. I guess I think it was in like a listener episode on a podcast that I listened to. Somebody saying that like their ex husband like had a near death experience and like quite literally experienced hell and like changed himself afterward. Like literally like the, Oh God, the heat. Yeah. Ah, like that kind of situation. I think. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. Like that, that just doesn't seem like anything like I've experienced. The doc like says that here. my hell would be covered in knotty pine. It would be. And all of the furniture would be bolted to the floor where I could never rearrange a room. Oh, and you could never change the color. I I don't know, but no. Oh, all right, all right. Let's get back to this because we're like we're not even a quarter of the way through this. Oh my god. Okay, so but it's so interesting. It is. We might end up with three episodes on this, which is fine. So okay, okay. Let's talk about what happens after the tunnel. So this is where this is one of the situations, as many of these, where different people experience it differently. I'm going to talk about one that was most common. So this gets trippy here. All right. After the tunnel, tunnel, you're going to move away kind of laterally through layers of light and color to an area where you feel surrounded by beautiful music that can be, be described somewhat like chimes or a musical tingling. Is that it the hall of music? With your movements. You could call it that if you wanted to. People call it different I things. I think I saw it once in a dream. Cool. Well, that's awesome then. Okay, so one person described it as riding on the resonance from the twang of a tuning fork. And they say that it revitalizes the soul. Is that what you experienced? I went into this like, this is kind of crazy shit. Like I had this dream and it was so realistic. And I like, I went to this place and I feel like, I feel like mute, like there's life themes or whatever, but like I definitely music is one of my life themes for sure. For sure. It could be like, and music is just like a thing. Like people describe music a lot in the afterlife, but it's not like singing. Cause there's not, you're not talking to like, you're not language. But yeah, so this place, it had this big, it was like round kind of, and there was all of these like different chime things like that were all around a circle where there was almost like a reflecting pool in the middle uh-huh. and there was all these different colors. It was like, it was like warm colors. Like That just all might around. be a fun place where we get to go in the spirit world to hang out too. Because there's a lot of that. And there was, like, beautiful music. It was just, like, surrounds you and, like, you could feel it, like, fill you almost. Yeah, this seems out. to me more like this is, like, just part of the path that's happening. But I do think that 
there there are like things you get to do like for fun to hang out in the spirit world and that very well might be one of those things Hmm. but then I read I was I like to read books about this kind of stuff too yeah and then I read about this place called the hall of music and it like described that place that I went to in my dream and I was like holy shit yeah that was probably what that was then that was really cool. Cool. Well, okay. So anyway, after you move so. through this area, which might be the Hall of Music or it might just be a path that feels fun, you're going to have probably have a welcoming committee unless you're a really old soul. So what do you mean? Unless you're a really old so soul. So if you're like, like an older soul, you've been through it so many That's times sad. that you're just like, I'm going to get where I'm going. I don't need these people. You're just this like, is, I'm back. This is for comfort, you know, to help somebody that's transitioning. Oh, okay. This is kind of yeah. all part of like an orientation back in the spirit world. If you're an older soul, you're not really going to need that. You just like go back to your office. Yeah, basically. And you're like, let's figure out the next one. Oh, no. So you might you would probably have a welcoming committee in most most situations. So you're going to be met by a group of people and you're going to have this like embracing. So instead of giving like a hug, because remember, we're just like wispy little things of light, essentially, in most situations, some people present themselves to us in like a human form, though, also just depending on what your soul needs to recognize things. It just depends. But like they talk about this embracing, it's like wrapping each other in light and kind of being like wrapped up in this blanket of love. And so the welcoming parties might be larger or smaller. Um, it really just depends on on your soul's age and what support you need at that time. And so um, a soulmate or someone most important to us might be at the front of the pack, um, even if they're still in a body on Earth, because the soul can be split. So we'll talk more oh, about wow. that later. So, like I said, might be in human form, might not be. Um, it just really depends. Like, the the soul world knows what you need and how, how you need it. I've heard, I've heard that, like, when people are in their human form on the other side, that they're more so like a 30-year-old. That's, like, the perfect age or whatever. But that sometimes if you are one of those people that sees dead people in your dreams, right, people that have uh-huh. passed on, that perhaps that those folks will present themselves to you like a little bit younger every time that they come through and visit oh, until you catch on like, like, Oh, you're the same person. Oh yeah. I'm going to talk really quickly about our soul groups and I might get back into this a little bit later too, I think, but you talked about a soulmate and wondering if those were things mm-hmm. at this point, after you had this like welcoming committee, you might get to stop off and see your soul group. You might call it a spirit group or a learning group. So this could be a group of anywhere between three and 25 souls that you regularly learn Damn. and incarnate with. So they would, would be people that you may or may not have in some or all of your lives. It could include a romantic soulmate, but you have plenty of other soulmates as well. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't have a romantic soulmate. You might not be with your romantic soulmate in every life. So um, after you get through all the greeting that occurs, you're taken to a space of healing. Space isn't a literal term here, but it's really the best we can do to kind of describe what Dr. Newton's subjects call it. They describe it as a place of pure energy or like a vessel of healing. I've also heard it talked about as almost like a shower of positive energy. A shower. Yeah. There's this like bright warm beam that reaches out to you as a stream of liquid energy. And so it's like a vapor-like steam swirling around you, gently touching your soul, absorbing into you and cleansing you from any pain that you felt on earth. Um, It kind of restores you after you've been on earth. Life takes a toll on a soul, and it's exhausting, as I think we can all agree. Yeah, uh, but it's supposed think? to like allow this healing process to take place and let go of some of the bonds from your life, and you become whole again. Younger souls may not know how to fully cleanse themselves 
with the energy in this place and may not be able to fully purge all the negativity from their life. So they might carry old wounds with them for longer, which I think is what we see when we do get those cases of reincarnation. Regression. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have children who aren't giving up on something that happened in a last life. Okay. I wonder if that's what's going on. After this situation, this healing shower that you take, you're going to go to a quiet place to talk to your guide and rehash things and just kind of talk through what went well and what didn't. Some people just... Like, it's like, you don't really have to sit down because your energy is floating, but there are people that are like, oh, we were like in a coffee shop talking about it. I think it's just whatever your soul needs to see at that moment. So um, you go through it with your guide and you're not in trouble if you fuck up during your life, but you do have to reflect and hold yourself accountable. So that's what your spirit guide is What do you mean? Like, what happens if you don't? If you don't hold yourself accountable? Yeah. You do. if, If you go through it and you won't hold yourself accountable, like... But then like, you just have okay, to keep reliving those things until you learn the lessons that you need to learn. What if you're a fucking serial killer? I'll talk about that later in a couple minutes. I really like very interested to know about the bad guys. Don't worry. I have the bad guys and on the girl. list. Okay. This is for like, this is going to be like this whole situation that I'm talking about. These are for people that weren't like fucking Hitler or a serial killer. Okay. Like Hitlers okay. and serial killers, they're going to have a different experience. We'll talk about that. But if a soul Good. is more experienced, they might only have a small chat with their spirit guide at this point, but a younger soul might have a longer one. Like I said, like it's a place of forgiving. So your spirit guide's not going to – like they might be like, dude, what the fuck? But they're not going to like really shame you. <laughs> um, one situation that could happen – so this is in the book, Suicides Are Addressed Here. Dr. Okay. Newton did have a number of situations where a client would explain that they had committed suicide in a previous life. Also, if you're hearing – things right now so i do live on the lake and it's a very popular ice fishing spot and there is like a fucking like you know the the ducks like wisconsin does ducks boats with a big fan behind them that's called an airboat okay there's an airboat like just like flying across the ice right now so loud it's very loud okay sorry getting back to the suicide things he said that he had quite a few situations where a client had committed suicide in a previous life and so Uh, In this case, a spirit guide or soulmates might be disappointed in those who end their lives early instead of facing their difficulties, but it's not like terrible. So like all things in the spirit world, they've just slowed down their own progress and their own spiritual development and will have to go back and face the same challenges over again. This might not be the case, though, always. There, There were some situations where people that went through chronic physical pain or they escaped like nearly total incapacity. So maybe they didn't hang on. Their soul didn't stick around while the body was in a coma forever before they died. Those kinds of things. There, That doesn't have as much shame attached to it. Like that's a little bit more acceptable. Not that it's like fully shameful either. But it just you're, you learned your lesson through that. So, so if you have. Okay. So I mean if there's no quality of life and you kill yourself. I feel like you shouldn't get in trouble for that. It seems like you don't get in this. It's not like trouble, but it's just you you did learn from that life and it's okay and you move forward. But if you, I think it sounds like maybe if you use suicide to escape the problems that you were experiencing that you were supposed to get through in your life. Can, then, can suicide ever be an off-ramp? Like if, you, like if you have your choices, like, okay, here's off-ramp A, B, and C. Can like suicide ever be off-ramp B? Right. I don't I don't know. Like unless it was I mean, like I guess it's possible that it's I made a decision. I I would imagine that it's possible that it's part of the life path that somebody around you had, but I don't I don't know. Like I think like it's it's very hard to tell because like this is all like intertwined with other people's life plans as well. But I don't Yeah, it's it's hard. Um I think that like there's like Like, a sense of all knowing that 
when you choose these lives that like the people like that the souls that are helping you create these lives which we'll talk about in the next episode or the one after depending on how long this takes us to get through but like it's it seems like they have more knowledge about things like they don't want people to commit suicide but yet the suicide would would be part of somebody else's path like obviously that changes the course of that person's life and they, they learn a lot from that good or bad um mm-hmm. that comes with it right. and there's no way that that's not part of their path so it's it's really hard to to fully put into terms i guess like you'd have somebody else that was willing to sacrifice that yeah yeah no i I don't like that that to. i'm a little bit unclear on but it just Ugh. i don't know it's hard to think about but getting it back is to really this, hard to think about it is it is that's a rough topic it is it's a super rough topic and it just if there's some bigger For meaning any... to it, i don't know i don't know so i just want to say this though like i know this isn't like we're usually not like super deep reflective people, but this episode is pretty deep and reflective. Oh yeah. Um, I, I always think back to, there was a study done on some major bridge, maybe, I don't know, the golden gate bridge. I don't know, whatever oh, bridge I just it heard was about this where one. people, yeah. where people commit suicide frequently. And there are some people that, that survive that. 1% of people survive it. Yeah. Yeah. So this group of people, there's a commonality between most of those people. And the commonality is that, once they stepped off the bridge and they were in the free fall, they were thinking everything that I thought that I couldn't overcome or everything I thought that I couldn't tackle suddenly became fixable. Yeah. Of those who have survived, 100% of the people who have survived that jump regretted it the moment they jumped. Right. And I'm actually just pulling that from the show – a million reasons why or a million reasons or something like that it's a sitcom and i just started watching it yesterday and it's like well, about like, their friend that committed suicide i've thought about that and i've shared that information with a lot of people not just like in the context of suicide but like when you're going through a rough time yeah like everything that you thought wasn't fixable suddenly it becomes clear to you i think sometimes there's just that roadblock yeah in your brain everything in life is like nothing's permanent Nothing ever is going to be Nothing permanent in your life. Permanent. And so you get through shit, good and bad. You get through it. Um, okay. So let's hop back into this. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep like, I know that you'll pull me off track, which is great, but I'm going to keep pulling us back eventually. So okay. So let's get back to this orientation talk that you're having with your guide. May or may not be a more, it's not like upsetting, upsetting, but like it could be more or less upsetting if poor decisions were made during your life. But um in situations, what are we talking about? Like poor decisions. Like I ate too much McDonald's. Is that a poor decision? I think it is. Because I feel like it is. I'm. I think like I'll, I can, like when I think about my life, I think that a theme in my life is self control, and that's one of the things that I have a hard mm. time with. And I think that eating too much too much McDonald's sometimes is part of that. Yeah. <laughs> you and your breakfast sausages. Yeah, I fucking love McDonald's breakfast sausages. <laughs> That's part of my control issue, right? Yes and no. It just depends on if that's part of like what you're trying to overcome in your life. But um, situations where the life was overall successful at teaching what it should, the orientation is met with more enthusiasm. Um, luckily, things get better for those who are a bit dejected upon entering the orientation. So like I said, like you're, you're met with understanding and love throughout this process, even if you fucked up a little bit. Once your talk with your guide is done, you're going to go to an area that's been referred to by a number of people as staging area or that's what dr um what dr newton calls it (laughs) okay so this is like the ultimate employee evaluation it really is it totally is and there's (laughs) dude there's so much i we like try not to talk too much about our professional lives here but 
but we are both business professionals that do much the same thing. I work, <laughs> and it's like uh, so much comes back to that. I work primarily in in helping people get better at things, essentially, um, and so there's so much right. Right. that, like, I, I'm a little bit more focused on like forward thinking things within the same field as Jules is with right like how part of my path is being a life coach at times yeah exactly okay yes. so so things do get better for people but like once your talk like once your performance review is, review is done or this first part of your performance review you're gonna go to this staging area right <laughs> and so you may be escorted here by your guide or if you're more experienced you kind of know your way already so others feel they kind of like feel like they're directed by an unseen force that pulls them to the staging area like we talk about after death too so spirits enter and then they're projected out into their final destination so as a metaphor ah. you could think of it as like an airplane that has the ability to fly you to one of a shit ton of destinations and so there's this I large say, i get like ejected from the plane yeah basically no so Achoo. there's just like just an insane amount of unacquainted souls that don't know each other moving in and out of this hub but it's sufficient oh. and uncongested because you know it's the afterlife from here you're going to be making your way to your soul group oh okay, again cool. i'm talking about these three to five people or th three to 25 so we're people. in the airport you're in the airport you're going to get ready to go home okay once you get home back to your spirit group you just kind of you get to hang out with them for a little bit you're going to talk a little bit about like your life that you just had they might make fun of you for doing stupid shit you kind of just get to like shoot the shit for a little bit but then you are going to have a more formal review that's going to come from what's sometimes referred to as a council of masters or a council of elders. And so again, like the names of the people Do the elders have to have lives? Lives? Yeah. Not the anymore. They're like back? they're like an advanced soul. We'll talk about soul levels. Oh, it's really there's so much that's that just gonna like keep like bouncing back and forth here. But they they do and eventually you might become one of the council of elders people. So I'm ready to be an elder just for the You're record, not we're everyone. not there, I promise. We're still eating McDonald's too often. But I don't want to so, be back. <laughs> okay so right. this council that you have is going to have like between three and seven members and you're generally always going to have the same group of like of master council you might get like a new one or whatever but judgment is based on the original intent of your own choices as much as the actions of the life you were in you enter into a life with an intent we'll talk about that more later on but it they're just kind of going through and being like did you make the right choices based on what you were trying to accomplish here your motivations might be questioned and criticized but never condemned um, essentially these people are kind and they evaluate the perceptions of your life that you have just lived how you could have done better with your talents and what you did that was beneficial um, if you if you were harming others in life maybe like not terribly but you were like on purpose doing bad things to people but it wasn't like murder level you you'll talk oh about God. maybe some karmic repercussions that you might need to have in another like life if you were a gossiper well i think if you were like so let's talk about somebody that maybe was like a shoplifter yeah so like maybe you're yeah. like stealing things a lot and it's like maybe even you're just like bernie madoff like you're not killing anybody but you're also just oh. kind of swindling people you're like wrecking lives bernie madoff is like wrecking lives yeah but he's not like that a straight murderer i don't i don't i don't know where the cutoff is but that's just like an example i can give like you're just a dick it's like you didn't learn what you were supposed to you caused other people harm and you did it on purpose that's where you might have some karmic repercussions but you might not be like so damaged that you're not moving forward which we will talk about but um okay so there is like an overwhelming forgiveness that's going to happen here. You as a soul can freely express your frustrations and desires. 
because um, the elders are very familiar with you. You can't really hide anything from them because like we'll talk about it, but you're not um, you're not like talking like this is like a lot of mind reading shit that's happening. Like that's how you communicate there. I don't think like every thought like I think you can intend for people, but I think in this situation they you can't hide anything from these people. So. Yeah. yeah, you you are you're treated fairly. Sometimes they're going to communicate back and forth with one another very quickly. And in, in these situations, sometimes a soul, especially a younger soul, can't really understand what they're saying to each other because it goes really fast, I guess. So in that situation, because your spirit guide is going to be there with you for this, and you might have more than one spirit guide. Yeah, so they you might give have you like, notes? Yeah. So they kind of like translate. I feel like those young souls need the notes. Yeah. They they're they're kind of like translating what on. these people are saying or like what these elders are saying so that you understand fully everything. Get a concept of it. Yeah. And I guess that they might not always tell you everything that the elders have said. I guess if it's going to hurt your feelings maybe or something. I'm not really sure. But well, like, well then how are you supposed to like learn? There. I don't fucking know. But they they might ask you to return to meeting with them again before you return to Earth again and it's really just a practice in coaching and development so it's kind of like a higher level like like an extra level of performance review you're not being judged to be sent to hell though i don't want there to like nothing negative is going to happen to you except for that you might have some like karmic lessons in the next life that you might need to learn or in a future life that you might need to learn let's get to the the main event here that i know you've been waiting for what let's say that you were hitler or some kind of other evil piece of shit on earth that killed people or yeah. something real bad. Maybe you're Bernie Madoff. Not sure. Okay. So what I do know is that there's not a lot of them that get end, that end up like this. So I think you might have to be like really bad to do this. Like I don't even know that rapers are hot here. What? Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. But <sighs> okay. So there, there's two types of people that might be what we can refer to as the displaced souls. There might be those who have been subverted by or have had complicity with criminal abnormalities in the human body situations where you super fucked up um these kind of individuals are more prevalent than what you would like the ghosts that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. um so these individuals may have felt possessed by an inner force to do bad things with it throughout their lives um like they, a mental illness yeah so they might not have and there, it might be a situation where they just weren't fully assimilated to the human body that they had they kind of felt detached from themselves in life because their souls weren't in harmony with their bodies um, they have destructive impulses and emotional disorders and were left untreated which hindered the soul's development Okay. It could result from an unresolved personal trauma in our life. They have like excessive craving and addictive behavior, which is which is described as the okay. outgrowth of personal pain, inhibiting the expression of a healthy soul and may even hold a soul in bondage to its host body. Like they have to be a ghost? Then? I, I don't really understand that part, but it says that certain souls whose bodies have a genetic predisposition to a normal brain chemistry risk being more violent too. So maybe you picked... Okay. You might have picked a body that was more violent. Um, like, like, what? but you've chose that. I know, right? Right. Um, like, didn't you choose You can that? make bad choices, but maybe you made that bad choice at the expense of somebody else, too. Like, I think all these things play into whether or not you're going to get held back. But, but Dr. Newton didn't believe that any souls themselves are inherently evil. It's just that he said that, like, most souls that are involved in evil behavior are young, um, but not all young souls will commit evil acts. So what happens with this is that when they get through that tunnel, their guide is going to kind of like interject and they're going to route them in a different direction. And how long they're going to be redirected for just really varies depending on what happens. So um, they're going to be secluded away from the rest of the spirit world. And some may, may be sent back to Earth immediately after seclusion. That's what I've heard. So, so you got to go right back. You go back um, without contact from your soulmates or anybody else so that you can go through a better round. But then there might also be some private study because this is a whole learning thing, which we'll talk about more later. But 
Um, there might be private study or you might have to be regenerated with positive energy before you can kind of rejoin your group. Like Ted Bundy needed to get injected with more than just lethal yeah. injection. Yeah, he might need he needs, like fucking rainbows and shit. Yeah, so there was an example given here. So it says one example where a member of a guy's soul group hurt women in his life was separated and then Ugh. sent back to Earth by choice as a woman who was abused. So this is where it's like, oh, if you're a woman who was abused, it doesn't mean that you were a beater or a raper in a past life. It, it just like that's one way that could happen. Again, it doesn't mean that you ever deserved it. I just want to reiterate that. But that that's something that is described here. So um, if you had a bunch of bad lives in a row, like let's say they kept sending you back and you still are just being a piece of shit, you're mm -hmm. not going to be destroyed, but it's you get kind of like sent back to the place where souls are created in the first place which again i keep saying we'll talk about it later but it's hard because there's a lot of jumping around here but um you might be like sent back there for regeneration so um we do live by laws like, like they take you like your clay it's like they you were already a creation and then they take you back and they like squish the clay back up and make a new creation out of you i get maybe i don't know exactly how that or, like, works you but, are so bad but i think it's yeah like they're like make putting, an ugly play-doh art yeah like putting positive energy or like find and just just cleaning me up a little bit i'm not really sure but Ugh. yeah i just feel like like we're it kind of makes me mad this whole theory behind it like i guess like you want know. these people to be burning in hell basically like i just want something that it's almost like like you want them to learn their lesson like you they you do okay so so that all of that pain and suffering that was caused to some other person wasn't for nothing it's it's not i, I mean fully. i guess it's so very complicated so he describes that he understands from talking to people in hypnosis that we do live by the laws of karma though um not like a full like terrible karma but if we harm others in one life we're going to do penance by setting ourselves up as future victims really yeah but what about people so like that's the thing it's like all victims then were bad in no it doesn't always or... mean that though either like you might be a victim first i just don't believe and that. it's it's hard to like it's hard like i think there's some situations where it's set up that way to teach you something and other times where something went wrong there's a lot of variables there so i'm not, I'm not saying like that's why i'm like i don't want to i don't want to say that it's not like if you were a victim in this life that you deserved it somehow from another life like that's not always the case or 100% what happens it's just that's it happens that way sometimes as described by this theory so sure like it or not that's that's how the theory or what he learned that's how the theory yeah. is so right. okay we'll talk I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that later but I do want to get into some of the characteristics of souls souls are androgynous they don't really have like male or female however sex isn't unimportant so souls can assume either a male or female mental impressions toward other entities um as for like identity preference so it's like can be fluid but some prefer to give off like a more feminine or masculine energy or they just might be more comfortable returning to earth in one form or another more so um it's, it's interesting but um that's just kind of they're saying like it's not like it's like they don't have a sex but it's also like you can if you want to Okay. People don't speak. It's telepathic. Um, souls can have private conversations that cannot be telepathically picked up by others for intimacy. Um, it's done by touch, and it's called touching communication is what people have called it. 
that's been described as electrical sound impulses. And people in hypnosis don't like to talk about these connections. Like it's like a private things. I don't I don't know if it's like it doesn't seem like it's like sexual in nature, but it's something that's like intimate that they don't want to oh, talk about. Yeah. Like I've read before that there's no like you don't have sex on the other side unless I guess that's something that you carry over that you really want to do. Yeah. Um, but that there's like a different sort of way of people like merging basically. Mm-hmm. And that might be that is like talking about more there. intense than that yeah. connection. Okay. Because it's like the merging of two souls instead of like a physical form. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so maybe it's kind of tangled up in that web. It could be. It absolutely could be. Maybe it's embarrassing. And people don't want to talk about it. About. Yeah. It's private. You don't yeah, kiss like, or you don't melt and tell or whatever it is. All right. So, okay. So let's talk about how we recognize others. Recognition depends on a person's feelings when you meet them. Your soul might show others what they want you to see of themselves and what they think you want to see. It can be like depend- a chameleon. Yeah. So it can be kind of dependent on whether you're on their turf, turf or they're on your turf because they're like kind of like spaces within the spirit world a little bit. Okay. You might see one set of features in one place and in another you might see something else. Um, but it really is dependent upon the psychological state of their the mind of their soul. So spirits might show others only their best side because of what you might think of them. And they might not fully understand that it is what you're striving for and not what's how you appear. But vanity is apparently still a thing in the spirit world. We're not perfect there. Oh. And so it's more We're of a thing. Like there? younger souls might have like more vanity on how they want to be presented. So maybe they looked really good in one life and they use that to show people what they are in the spirit world instead of just like being what? their like wispy soul self. Like, but they're encompassing a body yeah like some of them encompass a body and some of them are just their wispy soul self so i think you're more likely to take like a bodily form and present yourself in a certain way that you think looks good if you're a younger soul and you haven't really learned that that vanity is not really important yet anymore you know so um like essentially it just seems like it shows like people are still people in the spirit world and the the purpose for the reincarnation is self-improvement so People who people have like a lot of lives over the course of thousands of years. It takes some of them a long time to figure that out. So I can't just like I can't just be over there and just be like, I just want really hot legs. Like like I'm you just... hopefully don't care about having hot legs when you're there, but you might. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, how like this might translate onto life on Earth on recognizing other people. So quote. This is a quote here. So when you look into a certain person's eyes on the ground, even people you have just met and see a light you have known before, well, that tells you something about them. As a human, you don't know why, but your soul remembers. The soul remembers. Mm-hmm. People or souls do have a color, though. We're going to get more in depth about mm-hmm. um, what those colors mean when we get into the developmental of souls. But let's talk about the primary clusters, again, those soul groups. So. Um, like we said before, it could be between three and 25 souls, but the average is about 15 souls. That could be described also as like an inner circle. So these primary groups are for eternity. Essentially, you might fall oh, in wow. and out of line with one another on where you're at developmentally, but 
essentially like you're going to interact with them on and off throughout eternity. It's a group of like-minded souls who work out issues together continuously. So they'll live lives together. They might be relatives or close friends. Um, When we talk about like who in our life might be, a lot of times it could be a brother or sister could be in the same primary group or maybe not. Parents and children rarely are. Um, Generally, you're going to have like spouses, brothers, sisters are selected as close friends, but parents and children are not always, but they can, it can happen. You are totally in my in my group. Oh, yeah. If there's anybody you know in my life, that is with you. Yeah. Uh, when we're in the spirit world, we're going to attend class. We're going to study with these souls as part of our time in the spirit world. And then we're going to reincarnate together often. So uh, you might be closer to some in your spirit group than others as well. Okay. And then when we talk about souls. It kind of makes me sad. It makes me sad that, like, that you're it says your kids aren't always not always like, no. I don't know. like more often than not they're my not kids are really fucking cool so. i know right uh let's, let's talk about like what that is though with souls outside of your group so maybe they were your child in one life or another or your parent and some how you feel about souls outside of your group you do feel the sense of oneness with all of the souls in the spirit world there's no suspicion of others and you really do feel this like universal bond and this complete openness and acceptance. So let's say you're in the spirit world. You can pass by or visit people that you were attached with in lives, um, especially if you were okay. a young soul. So if you're a younger soul, you might at first feel some distress and not being able to go near them all the time. Um, but you can mm-hmm. communicate telepathically with them in the spirit world. It's just that they're not going to be as important to you when you get there as you might think that they would be. Huh. It all, okay. I guess, becomes really clear once you get to your soul group. Um, you have a place where you stay. You don't go visiting other groups generally because you might interrupt something and throw off their energy. Um, they might be learning at the oh. time, so you're not going to like really interrupt them. But there are certain times where it's appropriate for you to like go near them and go visit with them. And so, like all we do is learn shit all the time. Yeah, basically. I thought, or for where we, we are, right do any now. fun stuff? No, there's fun stuff too. It's not okay because like all work all the time. Do I get to make houses there? Um, I, you probably could, I would imagine. But you get to make I things that are build, cooler like, than really houses, cool I promise. I guess that the spirit world is really vast and spirits can get lost. And there what? are, like, director souls that are there just kind of moving around it and making sure that things, like, stay in line. It kind of sounds like it sounds like a work space a lot of the time. Or, like, a school. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't like that. I know. There's parts of this where I'm just, like, it's kind of exhausting. But I guess it's not. So... Um, okay, so the souls that are currently incarnated do have parts of their spirit light there, um, but their presence is going to radiate a little bit dimmer, and there's going to be like a low pulsating energy patterns. They don't communicate as much with other people, but they they can communicate with you. It's just not going to be as much, and they're generally not as engaged as others who are not incarnated at the moment. Okay. You're considered home when you return to your soul group, and it's, it's like an educational placement system in form and function. So your group is based upon your knowledge level and developmental level and group members will mostly have the same awareness level peer members like in the same group are going to have a sensitivity to each other which is far beyond what might we might experience on earth in a primary group and then there might be a secondary group as well so this is arranged in the form of a community support group and it's much less less intimate so i think that's where like your other family members and people you interact with a lot on group i think they're like more in your secondary group um so it's like a okay. larger group that's made up of giant sets of primary clusters that might be described as being on lily pads within one pond oh yeah so the secondary okay. group is really large um the smallest one that he's heard about has about a thousand souls in it so it's like quite a bit 
Clusters may have sporadic relationships or no contact at all. Um, so like you might be in lives with them, you might not be. Um, and it's rare for two people in different secondary groups to have any contact at all, ever. So like if they're outside of that amount, like that group of 1,000 or more souls, you're not really going to interact with them much at all. So is it possible that like that like you're like you could have like a spouse right like a a shitty spouse that didn't (laughs) you know like is that is it always that that person is probably in your primary group or could that just be like a a secondary your shitty spouse may or may not be in your primary group it really can vary oh okay and there might be reasons for that yeah it's it's really interesting um, the connections that you have with these other groups are generally made on Earth and not in the spirit world. So, like, you might interact with somebody that's in that secondary group with you more so in on Earth, and that's why you kind of feel connection to them in the spirit world, but you're not really making those connections in the spirit world unless they're, like, that's one of so your crazy. guides. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. And it's kind of, they like, somebody talked about it kind of like, like, it's a high school classmate who was once a good friend that you only see at class reunions now. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but then again, you could have a classmate that was part of your primary group. But, okay. I think it's time for us to wrap this episode up yeah. and take a break so I can eat cheese. Because that's what I've been thinking about. Okay. So, th- that's sure. where we're going to leave it for right now. When we pick back up next time, we're going to talk about the different levels that spirits could be to start with and go from there. I hope okay. that this episode this has left fun. you guys confused. And wanting to hear more because it's pretty trippy. I'm definitely confused. I'm a little bit saddened. We can talk about that. I hope that this like yeah. I I feel like not saddened by this, but you don't. I've had a lot more time to. I mean, like I've been. I I was first introduced to all of this. You know, like it was like I think right before you moved to where you live now, and it just. Like, it felt comforting to me at the moment because sometimes I feel, like, sad that we're missing out on so much of our lives together right now that we, we would have had before. And it, makes me and sad it just, too. like, helps me piece it together that that this isn't all we have and that we've got a long time together left to go. And then I also think, like, for me, like, A, it is sad to, like, not to be like, oh, my parents might not be there or my kid might not be part of it. That's fucking nuts to me, but I think about the comfort of, like, thinking that maybe our kids are in the same spirit group because I think they are. Also, I think about, like, I'm living my life maybe alone and maybe maybe living my life alone for the rest of my life. And I think that, uh, like, maybe I have a soulmate that it's just not, we're not supposed to be together in this life or they're doing something different with their life or we're learning something different. And so it's, like, not this, like... Like this, like not having somebody with me for this life isn't the end of the world. Almost. It's like, it's a learning experience for me or it's what needs to happen in this case. Like it makes, like it puts me at peace with that a little bit more. You have a lot more life left to live. I do, but I just like, I don't ever like to plan my life on a hope. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So it just kind of helps me feel settled in what my life is right now. I get it. I just really, I worry about, do I ever get to sleep when I'm over there? Because <laughs> I just, I feel like like I want that kind of refresher. Like that's a moment. Here's the thing with you, though. Let's talk about you as a person. What? And if you yeah. just got to do, if you had, let's talk about the rest of your life. Let's put it into perspective. So through the rest of your life, okay. 
you just get to rest and not do anything. You might not learn how to do something different. You might not create something new. You might just live your life. I don't want to rest for the rest of my life. Exactly. I just mean like, like, do I get to sleep at night there? Do I get to take a nap sometimes? How about cuddle time? <laughs> I really just feel like those are important parts of life. Well, those are important parts of life sad. on earth. But I think when it comes down to it, let's let's uh, give you a, a preview. You like to create things. Yes. Okay. So Always. there's good things coming for the you. Time. There's good things coming for you. Okay. All right. So let's well, leave it there. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Guys, thanks for listening. I need cheese. Yeah. Please stop back in for the next episode, which will likely be really fucking long. Or maybe we need to split it up like two more hour long ones and just release them closer right. together or something. So um, thanks, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.